Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Bass Life Podcast. This is episode 36. In this one, Australian bass jumper Ian Hard joins us on the mic and actually hosts us in his apartment for a fun, casual conversation with maybe a little bit of drinking. But uh, it was still fun and informative, no less. So really hope you guys get something out of this episode. And uh, as always, let us know what you think. Um, you know, Read the show notes. There's some good links. And enjoy. Three, two, one. See ya. You're listening to the Peace Life Podcast with your hosts, Randy and Tim. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with another episode of the Base Life Podcast. Uh, apologies for the hiatus, but you know, like life happens too. <laughs> so, what life happens? Life and yeah, yeah. still got to find time to jump. And uh, but, anyways, tonight we have Ian Hard on the uh, on the uh, on the mic. How's Welcome. It, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for being on. Uh, big thank you to uh, Farrell for suggesting that we do an episode and then for you for reaching out and being and totally being willing so that that means a lot you know because it's uh it's kind of hard to uh schedule sometimes and some of that other stuff yeah after hearing feral you know suggest it and then giving me the tick of approval i thought mm -hmm. why not yeah sure send it you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah oh, with us tonight we have uh tim as well tim's uh covering down on brian i'm here because brian's up, not yeah, Brian's in Munich doing some more tunnel time and like getting after it. So here we are in uh, Lauterbrunnen. So, so Ian, why don't you um, give us a little bit of background? Tell us, uh, you know, where you're from and all that, that for the listeners that you know haven't met you yet. <laughs> yep, I'm from Sydney, Australia. But around 2012, I sold most of my stuff and I went nomadic. So since then, I've not really lived anywhere most of the time, except. You know, you know, I go on holidays for, you know, maybe a long trip for like three months and stay in the one spot. And last year I had six months in Perth and now I've got, I'm pretty set up in Lauterbrunnen. But yeah, I've been since 2012, a lot of, a lot of traveling and living in vans and on couches and all over the place. Yeah, from Sydney, but yeah, Sweet. based in Lauterbrunnen now. And nice. Yeah, I did fly back and forth to Australia to go to work every four weeks. But yeah, mostly here to jump and live in the mountains. Yeah, that's awesome. So, twelve since twenty twelve, so it's six years on the road. Um, just yeah, how's it been? It's unreal. Like I don't really travel to go and look at stuff and be a tourist. I guess like it's everywhere I go is for a specific reason. Like you know, I'll go to America purely to skydive or jump or you know snowboard or something, or go to do yoga somewhere or. If it's climbing it's always like a specific activity or to see specific people and i prefer to go somewhere and spend a lengthy amount of time if possible and meet people and you know sort of hang out with the locals and find the cool stuff and or learn from specific people like reach out to people to try and learn specific skills and you know that's sort of paves the way for like where i end up so the activity is sort of driving the direction you go yeah, exactly, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. What, what's uh, one of your favorite activities? <laughs> <laughs> well, like, obviously base jumping, but, like, I always tell everyone, if I had to pick one thing, I'd pick Ashtanga Yoga, because if I, if I had to get rid of everything I do and just stick with one, you know, practice, it would easily be yoga, because it, I don't know, it grounds me and it, it still calms me for the rest of the day if I, if I get that in or need yeah. it. But base jumping, it's like something... You know, in sports like that, if I go and do them, it's, like, awesome to get it. But I feel like with yoga, sometimes I actually need it. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Yeah, when I, when I was working at Skydive Hawaii, if we had, like, when skydiving became my thing and not just the fun thing I did, I, I started doing a lot of yoga just because I needed uh, something that wasn't jumping, you know, in my <laughs> life. Very cool. Very cool. So uh, how did you find uh, skydiving? I loved it. Yeah, I still do love it. Yeah. Like, I still still jump. Yeah. Um, you know, I've still done a couple of hundred jumps this year. Um, but, yeah, I I definitely enjoyed it. I still try and make the most of it. So, um, so when did you start skydiving? So, I <laughs> when I was 
21, I didn't know anyone that skydived and I wanted to skydive. So I took myself to do my AFF. Like I skipped the tandem, did the AFF and I did four jumps. And then I, uh, yeah, the instructors and like people there were just like rude to me and like, you know, I just didn't like the energy and the vibe I was getting. So I was just like, yeah, I'm done and stopped. And then, you know, and like that, the idea of me doing that was because I eventually wanted to base jump because I come from a rock climbing background. So I knew base jumping was a thing. So I wanted to climb and I wanted to jump to get down. That was like the life dream from, you know, a young age. And, you know, I went to this skydiving place and, you know, but it was just a nightmare and I, they just psyched me out of it and I stopped. So then it wasn't until years later I met Gary Goodtime and he was the first base jumper and skydiver that I knew. And then um, when I when I met him, he like told me, you know, he had mates that base jumped and showed me and he's like, no, go do it. And like, you know, we can eventually help you. Like obviously made it clear it's a very, very long path to get into. But, you know, now I had someone with information and, um, you know, he gave me a lot of... Um, a lot of advice and introduced me to a lot of people and so I went and started again at the same place this time I knew a few more people but like I had the exact same experience and I did seven jumps this time and then yeah same thing and I like I was just the people were just rude and I just wasn't enjoying it so I like quit and I was like yep again so it was then it was not until the third time after meeting like you know by this by the third time, I met like a hundred base jumpers, and I got told to go somewhere else. And I went to like another drop zone where the people were amazing, like uh, in Maria, New South Wales. Like they, they like you know looked after me, Dan Smith, and um, some other great instructors. Like you know looked after me, got me going, and that's when finally, like it was I think seven or eight years after I'd originally begun that I finally got into skydiving. Yeah, that's you know that's really uh, important when uh, when people are new to a, a sport. You know that the uh, personalities that are there are, are to some degree you know nurturing or trying to bring out the best in the sport because you know, it could have a lasting effect on people. Yeah, I um, eventually started teaching AFF for a little while. Like, didn't do a huge amount, but like my whole goal was like never be like the people that first originally taught me. Like. Don't get me wrong, like, when I, those first two attempts, like, at one point I had, like, uh, Ty Baird and Mason, and, like, they were awesome, like, they were unreal, got on with them, but then it was just, like, you know, I didn't get put with them in the next jump, so I got some put with some people that, like, you know, I didn't really <laughs> get treated very nicely by, and that was enough just to, you know, send me, send me off, like, again, you know, I just got, just, without having close friends that are, like, you know, super motivating you to do it, or, you know, something like that, I had, like, there was no motivation if people were gonna, you know, not be nice to me or like, yeah, it was a bit, it was a bit weird. Like, but yeah, I'm glad I got past it. Right. Yeah. So, in so many instances, I find in life you learn more from the people that are horrible to you and not really good. But then, as you like learn and take the next level, uh, you start finding better people and you're better for yourself and better for the people around you. Uh, you said you started looking or wanting to base is why you started skydiving. So at what point did you like graduate or move into base? So I did about 450 skydives before I started base jumping. And that was literally 450 skydives of like planning to base jump. So like almost all my jumping was like planning, like, yeah, I'm going to base jump and, um, I did a lot of preparation, like I started with like, you know, a lot of canopy work and got a lot of canopy coaching early on, like even when I had only 50 jumps, like I'd already read like, you know, the um, Brian Germain, the canopy and its pilot and then I had Dan Smith and a heap of Aussies that were training to go to Russia for the international comp, like I had this like week and a half where it was literally me and just them jumping, so I was getting like, you know, pro canopy coaching on every single jump and, you know, real early on and um you know, I was flying a tracking suit as soon as I can. And like, you know, I've done that many solo tracking jumps out of a plane, but I still froth on it every, every time. And, um, yeah, so it was 450, I think around 450 jumps. And that was in, um, most of those were in Dubai and America and yeah, not, not so many in Australia. Like I think like, yeah, like over, over half of them would have been in Dubai 
So I spent three months or so there just jumping because that's where I found I could learn the most. And there's a solid crew in Dubai, especially back then. Like there was, uh, yeah. Yeah. It was, I mean, they were winning everything. Yeah. So about, about when was that? When, um, um, it was 2015. It started end of 2014, started 2015. Right. And Sky of Dubai yeah. was winning like every base comp, like every like yeah. wingsuit this or free fly. Like they're, they're crushing it out there. Yeah. Like it, it was, it was unreal. Like the, the people I met, they're like, you know, complete ninjas, like, yeah. you know, Micah, Munting, you know, Noah, like, um, yeah. you know, and there was like most of the people I was flying with and like everyone was just unreal at teaching, you know, they mm-hmm. were happy to teach me stuff, whether it's like skydiving or base jumping. And then, you know, I did some canopy coaching with Pablo and, and, um, Jarrett hooked me up with, uh, you know, Jarrett is a... I just voted for Jarrett, by the way. <laughs> yes, Shout sweet. Out. Shout out to Jarrett. Jarrett. If you haven't voted for USPA, well, yeah. well, just vote, whatever. Yeah. Vote <laughs> well for Jared. Yeah, and Brett for our uh, Hawaii region. <laughs> so. Yeah, Jarrett, um, he hooked you up good. He, like, got, he got me in his uh, accuracy canopy and um, with the accuracy team, so I was, like, pla- you know, learning how to land on the accuracy pad. I did that with his accuracy canopy a few times. And he's like, why don't we like put my base canopy in the accuracy rig and you can learn to fly that? And I'm like, yes, yeah, like, you know, that sounds perfect. So, um, we're at his apartment in Dubai and he's like, he's like, oh, like, I don't want to waste this pack job. Like it's in his base container. He's like, I don't want to waste it. And I'm thinking, what is he suggesting that like we go for a jump or something? And, and, it, and then he said like, we'll, we'll jump off this building, like as in him. And I'm like, I'm like, you're going to jump off the building. He's like, yeah. So we've like quickly <laughs> gone up. Like I, I've gone up to the roof, like checked no one was up there, like had a look outside, you know, it's just in like the early evening. And I've like come to, like I'd seen where the exit was. I'm like, yeah, it's all clear. It's good. He's like put his rig on and everything. Like, you know, so backstory on Jarrett. Jarrett is a paraplegic. He lives in a wheelchair and... I believe he can't feel below his chest, but Jarrett is like still, he still skydives and he's still, you know, he works as a rigger. He's like an amazing, amazing human. And, um, so I am now in Dubai thinking, all right, my mate that's in a wheelchair is about to do a base jump and I'm about to be a part of this. <laughs> hey, you're a ground crew, man. <laughs> Surprise. Yeah. yeah. An exit crew. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he's put his rig on and everything in the apartment and he's like wheeled his wheelchair out of, um, out of the room and we've bumped into our, another mate, like just in the, um, in the like corridor, another jumper who's got like his little puppy that's just like running around with him and he's like, oh yeah, I'll come up for that. So up in the elevator, we go up, up in the lifts and then out, out on, like gone out, check the roof again, come back. I've picked up Jarrett. I'm now carrying Jarrett out of his wheelchair out onto the, the building towards the exit point and then put him down on a like concrete block, checked his rig out and everything. And then I've had to like pick him up. Like, you know, he's not, he's not huge, like, you know, manage, manageable. So I've had to pick him up with the help of our mate and lower him over the handrail. So like my hips like on the handrail and I'm like holding like the yoke of the rig and I'm like lowering him down on, on, <laughs> onto this like concrete block. And I'm thinking, this is like, you know, out of control. This is like, you, you, this is not right. Like how, do, if anything goes wrong, how do I explain that I picked my mate up out of his wheelchair and then lifted him <laughs> off a building? So like we got in there, I'm holding the yoke with like, you know, we had the bridle and everything kind of set up, but grabbed the bridle and the pilot shoot. And then I'm like, yeah, you're good. And, did, um, did you know how to PCA prior to this? Did you, <laughs> had you done that before? I'd done one PCA before and, uh, yeah. And he, and we went, we ran through it like, you know, to double check, but yeah, this is, this is my second PCA. And this was like probably one of the most terrifying things that I've ever been involved, <laughs> involved in. And, um, yeah. So I, I like, yep. Yeah, I said, yep, you're good. Like, PCA'd him and, um, he uses his arms and he, like, pushed with his arms, like, off the, off the building. Yep, chest and, out. Yep. yep, chest out. And I, you know, held onto the bridle and canopy came out open, perfect, like, you know, and he just flew across the road and then, like, went down and landed in this, like, patch of sand. And then, um, yeah, I ran, ran, like, grabbed his wheelchair. And I'm like, <laughs> 
taking the wheelchair. He's going to hang out. It's not he's going to run from the cops. Yeah, yeah, he can't do anything. Sorry, Jared. I couldn't resist. He can't do anything, but um, he's like, yeah, like, he's just down there. I've, like, grabbed the wheelchair, like, run out, like, left the wheelchair at the side of the road. He's taking his rig off. He's, like, daisy-chained. Everything's all packed up nice. I've picked him up, put in his wheelchair. He started, walk, like, wheeling back into the, into the, um, into the building and I've ran and grabbed his rig and then, you know, went back in and then had a, had a few drinks and man, that was like one of the most incredible experiences of my life. Like, like that's so yeah, cool. Yeah. So that, I really hope he allows us to uh, share the story. Yeah. Really. I got permission. So thank okay, you. Okay. Nice, nice. <laughs> thank you, Jarrett, for the, uh, <laughs> while running for office, he's going to allow you to talk about this story. <laughs> well, he told me so. Maybe he'll change his mind now. Right? Let's, hope, let's not, let's hope not, yeah. but hold it until the it, election's over. If you enjoyed yeah. the story, vote for Jarrett for a uh, USPA yeah. national president. <laughs> We're a neutral party, but look, but vote for Jarrett. Yeah. It's <laughs> awesome human. <laughs> that's awesome so that was that was one of your first introductions to bass um not so much i had pe- like ground crewed for a couple of people in australia by then okay and yeah. um my bad I, I thought that was like hey, yeah man. well like by this point i'd um i actually yeah i'd met good time so i went and watched him do some jumps with some friends in um australia and then i was living in spain for a while and Good time was here in the valley, and uh, I think this was the end of 2012, like September 2012. And he's like, "Come over and like, you know, watch us jump and all that," because he knew knew that I was like keen to jump. And um, so I was here for two weeks, and you know, hanging out with all the jumpers, watching them. And that's when I was like, "I am 100% doing this. Like, this is what I want to do." And um, I just remember meeting the people and thinking these people are like awesome. Like, mm-hmm. where I was living in Spain, like you know, I didn't really meet the best of friends like i made a few friends that i'm still close with and stuff but i met more people in the two weeks here than the three months there you know like just these incredible humans and i'm like i want to be part of that tribe and i want to do this activity so um that was really good and then i went straight from here to kl and i spent a few days at um kl tower and uh what did some ground crewing and so <laughs> what I managed to do is like I had like this really good camera and like I'm no good photographer like I don't really know anything was about that photography. Was that 15 as well? Uh th- no this was 2012. Okay sorry. Yeah so um yeah I had this really good camera and I went to um Kuala Lumpur and I had like a mad lens on it and I was just for like you know the whole thing I was just taking photos of people you know and then like I uploaded like all the good ones onto Facebook and then the best thing ever happened everyone that was like in those photos was getting tagged by their friends and then they all just started adding me so like i'm now not base jumping yet and i had like you know at least 50 or, of friends, 50 yeah. or so like you know base jumpers like adding me on facebook but you know eventually a lot of them i didn't really get to know much at, at the event but then got to know after and then you know a lot of them actually managed to give me advice and help or became you know friends and people i've jumped with like later so that was like you know like you know something that was unexpected that like became like this amazing you know (laughs) resource in a way that yeah and then it also you know just having having them on facebook and then seeing like you know all their all their jumping and stuff was like more motivation so that was um by the time i actually got into base jumping i'd seen like hundreds of jumps so awesome i was keen (laughs) yeah yeah, that's cool how, like, uh, when you're in that impressionable you know, stage, how much, like, just a nudge in the right direction or, like, uh, you know, an ad from somebody on Facebook, you're like, oh, that's a, that's a base jumper. But, you know, like, you know but like how, how, like, it, it may seem like nothing, you know, to that person, but to you it's, like, a really big deal, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and it was, you know, it was good having the support from people, mm-hmm. like, good time and feral like early on that like knowing like this guy's hardly ever skydived but you know he really wants to do it but for me it was like i came from a rock climbing background like when i was 15 i was climbing like way harder than i've ever climbed as an adult so for me it was like all right i want to climb stuff and jump down like that's that's Mm -hmm. the life dream so at what point uh or when and where was your first jump uh so i ended up doing my first jump course with snake river and um yeah tom and um james yaru were my main instructors and uh jp as well Mm -hmm. um so yeah that was that was interesting arriving there because when i was in um dubai i met darren burke 
who is uh, good mates with James Yaru, and he said, like, when you arrive there, like, you're going to meet James. As soon as you meet him, you have to hit him in the nuts. And I'm like, so you're telling me I have to rock up to this, you know, guy that I'm just meeting that's going to teach me to base jump, something that I'm absolutely terrified of doing. And the first thing I have to do is hit him from in the nuts and, you know, say hi, that's hi from Darren. And he's like, yeah, he just trust me, it'll be fine. So I rock up, I uh, meet James, and James starts telling me, he's like, oh, yeah, my buddy Darren just, like, started working at Skydive Dubai, and I've, like, just, you know, hit Yaru in the nuts. And I'm like, yeah, that's from Darren. <laughs> and I was, like, probably more terrified doing that than, like, the first, you know, the first jump that um apparently was an inside joke went went fine. But then I think Darren got the worst end of the deal when he came to jump here with a lot of people from Snake River because he was getting hit in the nuts all day. <laughs> <laughs> so that just became a part of the course. Yeah. yeah, yeah it was, there, you know, churning out jumpers. So that's a lot of nut taps. Like. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think I think Yaru won that round. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was good. Pretty funny. That's awesome. Uh, back to the uh, rock climbing. Now, do you, do you see, like, a trend between, like um, – people that find climbing or uh, in base or you know, something like that. I feel like there are so many climbers in the base community that there's got to be something there. Yeah, there's definitely, definitely a crossover. Like, I think a lot of people would climb something and be like, there's a better way to get down. And that's also, you know, I think the mindset is very, very similar. It's the, you know, about being in the moment and not being distracted and being so concentrated on what you're doing. And, so many people will go from climbing and slacklining, highlining to, you know, either speed flying, paragliding, base jumping. Like, there's a lot of people that are in that, like, sort of crossover, you know, realm. Right. Yeah, and I, and I saw it, you know, and Tim, I'm sure as well, you know, in Hawaii, like, with surfers and, uh, I mean, well, you can do almost any outdoor activity in Hawaii. Yeah. But, like, yeah, a lot of those, uh, the best things of, of those communities, I think, are all very similar, you know from personality types and yeah and sort I th- of the vibe i think it definitely helped me coming from a climbing background and you know there's a lot of you know i've gone to sketchy approach to exit points where i'm totally fine and there's people that have you know like thousands of jumps like you know i took people abseiling into um to low ultimate and they had like a couple of them had like 15,000, 18,000 skydives, but they were like terrified of like rappelling, you know. So there's been a few few times where I know that the climbing and, you know, that has reduced a huge amount of fear just because I'm so used to being at heights. It was then, you know, learning with the comfort of actually leaving the yeah. <laughs> leaving the, the cliff. Yeah, like I, I wasn't a climber. Like I, I found, I stumbled across skydiving and then happened across base. And so, you know, there, there are times that where we're doing things that seem kind of not that scary where I'm like, oh, you know, I climb out of necessity, not not because I, I came from that background. So it's a uh, but, yeah, I appreciate that there is crossover. Yeah, yeah. I, I still love climbing, but, yeah, jumping and flying and everything's completely overtaken. Like now it's just like a. You know, it's something I do to keep fit and strong, and you know, I, I do every to hang out with friends and stuff. But compared compared to how I used to climb when I was 15, like I, you know, I'm not even close to as good as I was then. You know, like, yeah. you know, there's so much, you know, uh, conditioning and everything to be good at it. But now I probably, you know, I still love it, still have yeah. fun. And so when you got into sky skydiving, like to base, I mean, that that was. So I, could you tell us a little more about like your the plan? Because it sounds like your your direction was very deliberate in getting to base. And like like I said a minute ago, like mine was totally happenstance. Like I I did not have a plan. So I, you know maybe others like me out there could uh, you know learn from that or pick something up. Yeah. So <clears throat> sorry. Few the like few main objectives like everyone because drilled into me about canopy being able to fly a canopy so you know i tried to learn to like you know swoop and do certain you know turn mechanics with the canopy as early as i could be as accurate as i could as early you know as early as possible like i put a lot of effort in if i could get to a canopy coach or canopy course or whatever i would um uh and then i was doing like crew and um you know, any any sort of canopy training I could to get, you know, accurate and feel confident and safe under canopy. 
And then also, like as I mentioned, like reading like books and everything about like learning like the mechanics of flying and all that sort of stuff and wind and weather and turbulence and anything I could research. And then um, before I actually started base jumping, I also put like with Jarrett, he lent me his um, canopy and I did like a whole lot of skydives with his like on accuracy and it was actually like funny because I was with the accuracy team and they weren't always landing on the pad, but I was like a lot of times I was landing on it when they were landing off and you know, they had like heaps more jumps than me. So that definitely gave me so much more confidence to come into the, um, into the sport. And it learned me, taught me how to, um, you know, read, read the wind and judge, judge everything. So, um, yeah, like that, I think that was definitely one of the best things I could have done. And then that was the canopy stuff. But then with the, actual like free fall like i did so much tracking and angles like you know i felt like being able to track was super important and um luckily i met uh rami who you know taught me a lot and um you know i just bumped into him at a drop zone so yeah it was awesome to be able to track with him to learn learn a lot out of the plane and um using the fly site and uh Another main thing I wanted to learn was to be able to fly my body back into, you know, a tracking position from any position. So if I ended up, you know, like in a sit flyer and a head down, like the most efficient way that I could fly back into a track. So if I screw up an exit base jumping, I wanted to be able to fly my body out of it instead of like panicking, twisting and twirling. Like so e pitch or something. Yeah. Well, sometimes you need to do that, but yeah. Still. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I yeah I did a lot a lot of angle flying I didn't quite learn to like fly head down you know I few jumps I would hold it but I could definitely fly through it and I could fly my body out of it so I could belly fly and back fly well and you know I can sit fly and all that and but the main objective of all that was for me to be able to fly you know lose as much altitude to fly out of that position and um yeah a lot of it a lot of that like i did the the tunnel and then you know hundreds of jumps and just you know in, intentionally practicing that and um something graham dickinson got me onto in in dubai with the tracking suit was to um I, he had me doing like somersaults and craziness just out of the plane or like even mid-track <clears throat> sorry yeah uh, mid-track he had me like um you know track as fast as i could and then he's like just shut your eyes and do like somersaults and then try get back into a track like on the perfect heading and stuff like that so um did a whole lot of stuff like that so i was like super comfortable in a um in a tracking suit you know by the time i actually started the uh terminal terminal jumping that's so cool i didn't do any of those things (laughs) i didn't do any of those things either yeah even the uh with the base canopy like even like um what snake river recommended is um you know, doing like practicing the parachute landing rolls, like doing downwinds and uh, like I even packed line twists mm-hmm. with, um, you know, I'd pack like three line twists and do a hop and pop out the door. I'd climb the lines, steer the canopy into heading and then I'd like get rid of the line twists. And, you know, I was doing like every every drill like that. And fortunately, like at drop zones where people allowed me to well, turn the blind eye to such craziness. But so that's 450 jumps of just base yeah. preparation yeah, yeah and very deliberate i'm, I'm yeah. impressed with that that's uh yeah. i i did not uh come to this sport with that that much uh intention you know yeah and so. it, it was still all fun you know like it wasn't like oh myself like i have sure, to achieve yeah. this by now like it was all like the whole the whole journey was incredible like i enjoyed the you know enjoyed it all and i i'm still i still do you know go to jump to train for base like it's still it's, you know, other than the fun factor, it's still the main reason that I'm there. And it's probably the reason that I do more jumps and put, you know, more money into it is just to try and keep safe while I'm, while I'm out here. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I found that um, skydiving now for me is very deliberate. Um, if if I'm not, like, getting paid to jump, I'm, I'm being, I'm, you know, I'm focusing on what I'm going to do. And, like, I have a plan for that weekend or things we want to work on. Uh, but it it took years to get to that point where I realized what I wanted to do and, and, and found the right people and saw what they were doing and tried to sort of mold my direction after that. And it looks like you, you've, you, you really analyzed the, uh, you know, what it was and, and applied, you know, the, uh, the mechanics to it. Yeah. It was, it was definitely like fortunate with the ground crewing and meeting so many people and like looking for the, the same things people were recommending and, um, you know, taking that advice and then and then using it, you know. So, 
Yeah, definitely. Definitely for me, like, you know, I can only talk from my experience, but I think that it's the preferred method. It's like better than, you know, rushing and stuff. Like yeah. it's managed to keep me safe, like other than a couple of few little sprains. But, right. And it's, you know, flying in a way that I'm stoked with yeah. and comfortable with and, you know. So not, speaking yeah. of flying, what suit are you flying now? Flying the uh, onesie, the standard onesie. And, um, yeah, I got that in may yeah may this year and yeah i absolutely love it like it's like life-changing hey like to go from you know i was tracking reasonably well in a, a, a pts and mm-hmm. then um threw the onesie on and straight away i was adding like you know off brent i was adding like another 10 seconds to a flight and then that's like increased more than that and um yeah i, I love it i love the suit yeah and like I even skydiving, like I've only done about forty skydives in a wingsuit. You know, like I, I don't even really go near them. I'm like, just focus on tracking and then leave wingsuiting for when tracking, tracking's done. Right, and that that's such an important thing to like harp on. And anyone that re- listens to this regularly probably hears it all the time. But like, uh, mountains aren't going anywhere. You know, like all you can do is be more prepared to to come to the mountains. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and it was, it was definitely like pretty awesome having the um the onesie just like you know appear recently and like it, it changed the game a bit and i know it's definitely like put off me needing to wingsuit or having wanting to wingsuit and base jumping for you know at least an extra year or two sure yeah and you know every everybody's journey is different you know and uh some journeys are longer than others and um yeah i think there are definitely things that you can do to extend that journey. Um, but so even with all of that preparation that you put with like, you know, being very in, um, direct, you know, like focused on, on your, your path, what's something that you wished you knew when you started base jumping? Oh, it's a tricky question. Um, I don't know. Like, like slider down stuff i still find absolutely terrifying (laughs) like (laughs) i didn't realize it was going to be as scary as it is jumping solid slider down stuff but uh, as for technical knowledge or anything i can't think of anything but like yeah i definitely didn't realize that low low slider like solid stuff was going to be so terrifying yeah like uh, aussie slider down kind of like uh like that kind of stuff because well, it's honestly, like anything that's like solid and low, yeah, yeah. like yeah, I was, you know, I, I accidentally like had a, a cliff strike at around 43 jumps in Moab, on a 230 foot cliff called Viewfinder, and I, you know, I, it was low and did a go and throw, but the canopy opened before I knew it. I was facing the wall, straight on the toggles, turned the canopy around. I've got like high resolution photos of a, that a friend took of my canopy scraping the wall as I turned it around and mm-hmm. I clipped my ankle, like sprained my ankle and I like ran across the wall. Like I think I took about like three steps while I was turning the canopy around. I still remember like going to like t- touch the wall on impact and I'm like, no, you need to fly. Like, you know, and I um managed to turn the canopy around, still land on the main LZ and I just remember that being the absolute, like the most terrifying thing that I've ever experienced. Right. Did you feel like a different person after that event? Like, I feel yeah. like sometimes those things just kind of change you a little bit. Yeah, I, I I think it definitely made me, like, stop and really look at what I was doing and think about what I was and wasn't going to jump off. I think that did definitely put the brakes on a little bit in a in a good way. Like, I went from there straight back to uh, Twin Falls and did a whole lot of 180s, packed 180s off the bridge and got myself comfortable again before I ever went back and did any more... Um, you know, uh, low, <laughs> low slider down jumps. Yeah. And it made me respect, like, having good deep brake settings, I guess. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. I, I had about 30 base jumps when uh, I was supposed to go to a 32 base jumps. Uh, and I was supposed to go, T and I were going to go to Twin, knock the dust off, you know, because living in Hawaii, like, you either jump bandit stuff or, like, you go to Kauai. Not a lot of options. So you're not jumping, like, all the time, right? So we're like, ah, we'll go to Twin knock the dust off and then we're going down to moab and i i had all of like 32 33 base jumps at my 33rd base jump i broke my leg and it was the first jump of that trip when we're supposed to go you know three days in twin and then like six days in moab and i have 
like I'm not super religious, but I am superstitious, which is probably the same thing. But uh, <laughs> like I am convinced that breaking my leg in in twin on that jump uh, probably saved my life. You know, and yeah. so this year after that was that was 2011, so seven years ago, um, I'm about to go to Moab for the first time. Like, uh, so Randy, fingers crossed. Anything, yeah, right. Yeah, don't break <laughs> anything like, on the way, right? Like, I was like, even this weekend, like with our jumps, I was like, I better not get hurt because last time I tried to go to Moab, that's exactly what got, what happened. You know, so yeah, and like in, in our crew, uh, like when we got to Moab, like on the first day, another guy, like you know, another Aussie. He had a cliff strike and um, he like really messed himself up pretty bad and um, I don't think he's ever jumped since. So that happened and then mine happened like a day or two later. Right. So it was like, whoa, this is like super real. Yeah, like I don't want to have that moment in base where I just say, I decide like, nope, that's it, I'm out. Like, yeah. I want to keep doing things in a, in a way that's safe enough that I can keep going, you know, until I decide that I want to step away. Have you thought about that? Like, do uh, you think you have an exit strategy or like? Um... Uh, it it comes and goes. Like, I thought I had a plan and an exit strategy, and then I think it's changed a lot because I'm feeling a bit more uh, comfortable now and not as on edge as I used to be, and not as stressed out as I used to be jumping. I'm a lot a lot calmer now. Um, you know, I I usually just think if I don't have the desire to go and jump, then there's no reason to jump. So like if you know, people want me to go and jump with them or try and get me to jump. If I'm not feeling up to it, like I'm pretty much like a hard no. Like if I don't have that desire, I don't, I don't do it. But at the moment, like I absolutely love it. And it's, it's not necessarily the jumping. It's the people, the being in the mountains, the hikes, the experiences and everything that's coupled with it, like the whole, the whole lifestyle. So mm-hmm. yeah, at the moment there's, there's no exit strategy sort of plan. It's like, you know, I think at some point I'll probably just be like, oh, it's enough. I'm doing this other activity now, and mm-hmm. I'll go and hyper-focus on that the same way <laughs> that I focused on this. Yeah. What about you, Tim? You ever thought about that? Uh, a few times exit strategy. Uh, yeah. As I get up in age, I'm like, okay, maybe this is the out, but no ever real plan. Like, oh, this is the moment. Um, I think the moment's going to be when I am forced to leave Europe or have to leave Europe or decide to leave Europe, that's probably going to be the exit strategy. Uh, you, you've actually found a place here in Lauterbrunnen, a really nice place. That's where we're recording right now. Uh, how long have you been here? Uh, since around mid-May, the end of May, I moved in. So i um, been here since then, but I have to go back to work in Australia for you know up to four weeks at a time sometimes. So, yeah, I haven't, haven't got to spend the whole time here, unfortunately. But, yeah, I absolutely love it here. It's makes it so easy to get a lot of jumps in it's nice and central and you know it's perfect I lo- like lo- even if i wasn't jumping i would still love it here you know I, I sometimes i just go down to the supermarket and i'm walking up the street and i look at the mountains and where i live and maybe see some friends and right I'm just stoked you know i'm just so happy like i like literally just start laughing and smiling with happiness yeah yeah just uh earlier today we we bumped into a, a chick that tim and i knew from sky of hawaii I haven't seen her in like six years and just out of nowhere, like, oh, hi, you know, like, yeah. because like, this is such a great place for people to, to come and, and you never know who you're going to bump into. Yeah. I, I've, Lauterburn is so great. Yeah. I've bumped into friends here that, um, yeah, aren't jumpers or anything. And, um, yeah, like as soon as I've seen them, I'm like, you know, let's go do this thing. Like, let me take you to this place, you know, like the Via Ferrata or, um, you know, on a hike or just, you know, something like it's usually pretty simple but they like you know now they know someone that lives here or knows the area it's yeah you know it's it's awesome to to you know take other people to see and do things in the place that i love the most yeah yeah i'm, I'm neglecting a friend from college right now to do this recording <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but he's having such a blast that you know he's he's down at the horner with some uh, some other friends you know mm-hmm. and uh so yeah and he totally gets it you know he's he's he talked about the and i didn't say really much about you know the the family and he was just like yeah you guys have such a family vibe like we were because we were at airtime you know having a brunch ish thing and uh yeah we he he called it on like hit it on the head it was like it, absolutely it's that family vibe you know that we get you know from this uh activity yeah it's def- definitely one reason why i picked this place like at the end of last year i was like i want to go live in the mountains and i just knew I wanted to live in mountains, but I wasn't sure which mountains and which part of the world and looked around and 
you know, other than the jumping, but like honestly, like the main reason I chose this place was because of the the community. Because there's an anthropologist named Sebastian Younger, and I'd read you know a book of his and listened to some podcasts, and he was talking about like how important community is. Tribe, to, yeah, 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 yeah. We've you, talked about that one. That's yeah, a, that's yeah. That's a good one. I read that one this year. Yeah. So uh, I, I had a link to that in the show notes. Sorry to <laughs> keep interrupting. <laughs> no, it's cool, but um. You know, after listening to him speak, it like something like really resonated with me. And I was like, you know, because I've been living nomadic and bouncing around, you know, and don't really have a one set circle of friends. Like I bounce, mm-hmm. you know, around depending on where I am. And I was like, I'd love to go somewhere that has like an awesome community of awesome people and actually, you know, you know, get a bit of a community vibe for a while to see, you know, the polarity of that compared to, you know, living nomadically or living how I used to live in Sydney, you know, so... Yeah, it's, and it, you know, it's definitely, you know, the people here, you know, are amazing. You know, they, a lot of people help you out and, you know, people to hang out with and, you know, it's, it's great. It's like yeah. definitely, that's definitely one thing that has worked out after moving here. And how is it when, uh, so when you, when you switch gears and have to go like back to Australia to do work, like, uh, is that one of those like, uh, you're just longing to get back or like, uh, I mean, there has, it has to be at least tolerable, you know, to do it. Yeah, and it's, it's not so bad. It's, you know, sometimes it can depend who you're working with. They can make or break like a trip back and what work you're doing. And, um, it's, it's usually like for me, like the, when I go to work or I come back, it's like it flicks this like reset switch in me where, you know, I, I sort of live in a way that if I feel like everything that needs to be done, if I just get it done, then I don't need to worry about anything and I can just go and do my thing in the mountains or whatever. So that's usually like when I travel to work or I travel back, I get all that stuff done. So it's just like reset, which I find, you know, works, works really well. And it's, it's usually, you know, the first few weeks is all right. But if I'm there for four weeks, like it can start to drag out. But, you know, at the same time, if I'm doing like really good work, which sometimes I am, then, then sometimes it goes really quick and it's not so bad. But yeah obviously like i'd much prefer to be here not working <laughs> naturally i yeah. mean like we all do yeah uh what other so what other like um do you listen to any other podcasts or like what what are you into when you're like trying to like you know develop yourself you know? yeah so like i don't really watch much tv at all like almost next to any like next to nothing it's um any usually any media i consume is all about practical knowledge like anything that i can use like knowledge i can take and implement into my life to make my life or the life of my friends and people i know better um anything from you know health and nutrition through to uh you know lifestyle fitness and then you know meditation mindset philosophy yoga all these things um a lot of like anthropology but yeah i listen to a lot of podcasts definitely um like Joe Rogan, but it depends who the, the guest is and um some Tim Ferriss stuff, like I like a lot of their work. And then um yeah, a few few nutrition ones and um sort of fitness ones and things like that, just to learn these like little hacks, basically things that I can do to make my mind and body healthier, stronger, you know, longevity type things that, you know, I can I try to minimize the time that they take but with the the maximum reward sort of a you know the trained smart not hard sort of mentality so you know i definitely um try to keep my body as you know young and fit as i can while i do all these things but yeah definitely a lot of a lot of podcasts i read a lot and it's i'll almost never read fiction that's almost unheard of it's always me learning and studying and researching and, yeah yeah very cool. Yeah, I uh, I listen. Well, occasionally I listen to Tim Ferriss, but it, what I really like is his Five Bullet Friday. Do you do you get that little email? Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. Seen every Friday he sends out an email with like the five like there's like five categories, and usually I care more about like what he's reading and then a quote he's pondering. It, there's some good quotes that come out of that that uh, little email. Um, but yeah, same. You know, I was big fan of JRE and some of those other things. Um, when, uh, we, so earlier today we, we went for a little base jump. We, uh, we ended up having like a big load, uh, up to high nose cause we, like we had, we nine. ended up having eight or nine in our crew mm-hmm. and we, we rolled up and there were like eight or nine people gearing up. 
which this late in the season is a little bit odd, but um, plus five or six on another exit at the nose. Yeah, yeah, we had some. We had to to uh, do, do deconfliction between nose three and with all the helicopters. It was there was some traffic today. Yeah. Um, but on the way to the hike, you know, I was I was kind of joking with you that I was like ah, like because we 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 didn't know each other before you know today, and so I was like. I don't want to talk too much because I want to be able to talk about this on the podcast and it still be natural. But we did talk a little bit about like uh, diets and uh, things you you had tried and, and are doing. Uh, why don't Why don't you like uh, fill in the listeners on on some of that, you know, and like what you're up to? Yeah, so mostly now, like I'm on a paleo like keto diet. Like I'm not always in ketosis. So for those that don't know, that's when you turn from like a sugar or glucose burner to a to a um like a fat burner so i reduce most of my carbs so my eating is like really nutrient dense like food so like huge bowls of vegetables with um you know like quality sort of meat um you know i was vegan for two and a half years and i wish i could still be vegan but unfortunately for a few reasons that didn't work with my body and i've had to uh had to switch but um i've sort of with the food like is one part of like sort of the body hacking that I've done so with the the nutrition it was learning to become a fat burner as opposed to a sugar burner so I've managed to go like before I used to eat need to eat every three hours and now if I have to I can you know go 24 hours without a meal and you know I'm you know maybe want to eat some food but I'm I'm fine whereas before if I went three hours like I was you know, ready to like commit, you know, crime just to get some food. Like, um, so yeah, I, uh, definitely like managed to, you know, definitely change my mindset just around what I eat. So managed to calm myself a whole lot after, you know, changing, changing the foods that I eat and how I eat. And, you know, it goes with a lot of other things. Like last year I was doing a lot of like adaption. So, and, and I still do this now, like uh, like ice baths and cold showers and here in Switzerland where it's cold, like I've had a lot of people, um, you know, locals that are Swiss and they're wearing like, you know, maybe two jumpers and I'm just there wearing a t-shirt and they're like, how are you not cold? And, you know, it's because I've managed to make my body adapt to, to the cold to generate heat. And if you're also, you know, in ketosis and burning fat, that works like really well. And, you know, last year I was also... um you know, with like the resistance training, like another form of adaption and then uh, going to a gym that was like, you know, uh, like altitude training. So it was the gym was set at 13.5% oxygen. So I managed to get my body better at, you know, using oxygen at altitude and all these like little hacks and things that I can find for longevity or like um, wellness. Like, you know, I, I give them all a go. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm all about like little life hacks. Like, uh I got, I got turned on to um, some uh, – it's an investing podcast. Um, but through them, they talked about the miracle morning or morning miracle or something. And it was like 80% motivation and like 85% motivation and like 15% hack. And I'm like, I got the motivation, man. Just tell me the things that I need to do like or to improve. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you talked about the ice baths for there for a second. I got like excited. I had to like write it down because yeah. I didn't want to interrupt. But uh, <laughs> tell tell us a little more about that and like some like maybe some cold training. Yeah, yeah. So like cold adaption, basically like you know it started with cold showers and it's awesome here in Switzerland. I don't need to actually buy ice. I can just run the water um, straight out of the tap and I can have like a really cold bath and the cold the, bath and probably yeah. great water pressure too yeah every 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 place here has amazing water pressure yes yeah, so good so like basically yeah like you have the the you know the ice baths or the cold baths like you know back in australia i was having to put a few bags of ice in and um what it does is it it'll force your body to adapt to the cold so instead of shivering to generate heat it uses what's called non-shivering thermogenesis so your body will adapt by creating brown fat, which is actually like really dense mitochondria. For those people who remember from science class, it's like, you know, the energy warehouse of the cell. So instead of shivering to generate heat, your body will burn fat to generate heat. So if you do these adaptions and then when it starts to get cold, you don't put a jumper on or a heater on straight away. Your body is learning to generate heat and you're not 
using a tool like a heater or a jumper to generate the heat. You're um, training your body to adapt. So you can actually cold adapt and heat adapt at the same time. So I was also doing, last year I was also doing saunas, so like really hot saunas for like as long as I could. And then now I have like a much wider range of comfort in hot or cold climates, you know, so it definitely... um, definitely works and for me it's like fascinating to learn about something like that and then to go and put the effort in and then implement it and you know you know get the reward when i was a kid i used to jump from the jacuzzi into the the pool is it kind of like that like (laughs) (laughs) that still is you know like (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah no so a little little hack that i learned that uh, along those lines when i got got excited about the cold stuff uh every morning like the last 30 seconds of my shower i crank that thing all the way cold and just like take it in you know get it in my hair on armpits you know like all all those sensitive areas that you don't want to like be cold and uh like it's it's become pretty natural now. It's like I don't even think about it. I just flip it and like and go for it. But I like hyper oxygenate my body because I take a few deep breaths and like uh, almost shock my body into like getting into gear, um, which I, I would equate a lot to like you know those mornings when you're like doing a base jump and you're like uh, kind of not quite all there, and you go for that jump and you wait and you land and you're like. All right, I'm awake now. It's yeah. like the that's the the Monday through Friday version of that is like cranking yeah. that stuff on cold. Well, like yeah, I don't drink coffee, so my like coffee is my like morning cold shower, and you know even coffee is my drug of choice. I'm sorry, it <laughs> 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 is good, but yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, morning cold shower wakes me up, and you know like I'll I've had a cold shower before, and I've had friends be like, "How can you do that?" And then you know after i'm out and dry they've put their hand like on me and they feel that my body's like warm like it's generating heat just you know not mm-hmm. only a minute or two after getting out so yeah it's you know definitely i think it's a little like it's first it's a little bit of discomfort but soon it becomes enjoyable and then you know if you're in cold climates or you know even if you're just going somewhere on a holiday like it definitely um definitely makes it much more comfortable in the long run yeah yeah, you could find yourself in some cold situations over here, you know, depending on when you're trying to jump. So uh, maybe a little training in that regard is a <laughs> good idea. Yeah, definitely. I was in um, America in around Christmas time, and it was like, you know, it was snow and ice. And What, what part of the States? Uh, so we started off in San Francisco and uh, hanging out with friends there and then did some jumps in Lodi and then went to Twin Falls and did a you know some jumping around there those are cold places in yeah. the winter yeah we we have some warm places too but the, yeah that's why i had to ask sorry yeah so i was in um in twin and i you know i was jumping one day and it was like minus eight degrees celsius and you know i was just remember thinking oh man if i'm in that water like you know it's gonna, if i end up in that water it's gonna be cold and you know and hiking out through the snow but um yeah i i was you know, I was the only one that ended up jumping. My friends didn't want to jump, and I think it was because I was, like, so cold-adapted, you know? Like, they were like, yeah, no, nah, it's too cold. But, you know, I still still went, and I was still fine and still loved it. So, yeah, yeah we, we, we down in uh, Tahoe, we went and found some, like, ice lakes that were, you know, found some little holes in the ice and went swimming in the um, in the ice. And then my mate Mike, he, uh, yeah, I think that was his introduction to, like, cold adaption. And then, yeah, like... It, he thought it was a little bit nuts at first, but then he tried it, and now he understands it. So, yeah, it's um, yeah, it was definitely fun. Like actually, finally finding like some ice lakes to to swim in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've never joined that like polar bear club, but nah, neither have I. It's... I'm not saying I'll do it given the opportunity, but I'm intrigued. You know, it's one, it's one of those like temporary pains, maybe like temporary discomfort for a lifetime of. Yeah. You know, it's usually the first minute of the minute and a half your brain's stressing and it's like panicking after a minute and a half it usually um you usually start to relax especially like if you're told this it's like all right first minute and a half is going to be intense then after that you can relax and you'll be good and then you know you can go for like you know three four five minutes pretty pretty easy then because you're calm but then depending on the temperature that's when you need to start thinking all right uh you don't want to overdo it you only need to go in 
enough to create the adaption. You don't need to overdo it. Like, you know, like I've seen ego get involved in this the same way it does with base jumping, where people want to stay in there for like way too long. And then, you know, all the blood goes from their extremities to their core and, you know, they get too cold. Then you get out of the water and then all the cold blood from the extremities goes back to the core and you get like after drop. So then you actually end up colder once you get out of the water. And it's like, you didn't need to do that. You only needed to go in long enough to create the adaption and get out. So, yeah. Do enough to get the positive effects. And then, yeah, exactly. Like, so I yeah, actually... It's, not, I, it's like, that's like low pulling, you know, like staying in too long. It's like, it's low yeah, pull. It's like, yeah, yeah. come on, you don't need to do that. Like, come on. Yeah, like, yeah. When I think about the ice adaption and the lake and the polar bear challenge, I have a cousin that actually doing it for the first time, they cut a hole in the ice and he was so hyped out about doing it and decided that he was just going to like run and dive in. And as he's diving in, they took his picture halfway across and he dove past and hit his forehead on the ice on the other side and just made himself a bloody mess. And yeah, the last time he tried cold adaption or the ice adaption, but yeah, that hype and taking that next level every time anybody talks about it. I think of my cousin Curtis the very first time that it, yeah. Anybody says it, and yeah, it's an epic per- picture because he's like stretch across, diving across. You already know what's going to happen just from the picture alone, the still of him diving into this water across the water. He's not dead, right? No, he's not dead. All right. Yeah. I mean, some it. would say worth it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they got 20 likes on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. I, I, Maybe 22. <laughs> I feel like, you know, that's like. Base jumping is one of those things. You like it. All these things you're applying in a stress to your body to create an adaption. So, base jumping, like, you know, you're doing a new exit or you're out of your comfort zone or you're doing something new, you're applying a stress to your body, getting out of your comfort zone, and then you experience that, you achieve it, and then it makes you a more grounded, you know, person in the end. And I feel like, you know, all these little practices and things that I do, but they're all like different, but at the same time, they're all the same. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that. That's um, that's a really cool perspective. Do are you have you read anything by like uh, Wim Wim Hof? Have you listened to him on the Joe Rogan experience? Yeah, yeah. I um, I did a workshop with Wim Hof in no Melbourne. Kidding. Yeah, so I uh, very cool. Managed to take an ice bath and stuff with him, and um, yeah, learnt learnt from him. Like uh, I definitely love his teaching, but then I do think there's a lot of like woo and uh, marketing yeah. and stuff, but. At the same time, I'm like, yeah, that like that's the world we live in. There's a lot of marketing, and I think he's introducing a lot of people that wouldn't normally come into something like that, and he's getting them into something that's health-conscious, that's helping them, and then it's actually creating a new healthy lifestyle mm-hmm. to them. So, like, yeah, I, I do like I, – I have a lot of, like, you know, appreciation for Wim Hof, mm-hmm. and um, also, like, a, a lot of people don't know, he's, like, a hardcore yogi. Like, his background is, like, um, you know, he, he speaks a bunch of languages. He even, like, you know, understands or, like, can translate Sanskrit, which is, like, the original language that from India that yoga was written in. And um, he actually has, a, like, a lot of, like, you know, true background that they don't actually ever talk about. So um, he's he's not like, you know, some of the other, you know, people that come, you know, have these, like, workshops and stuff. He's actually definitely got like you know a reasonable understanding and background and comes from a good place i believe yeah yeah i i appreciate how um a lot of his training is in some regard like mental training you know the cold is the stressor but the the mental training is is like what like uh really takes over and those are the things that since i was probably a teenager you know like mental training has been something that i've i've really like um had an attraction to as far as like if, if you can believe you can do it you can do it you know and when you there's no worse situation for me like i lived in hawaii for 10 years being cold is like the worst thing on the planet for me <laughs> yeah but you know like when when you can uh control certain things and and deal with those sort of stressors or use that as the stressor you know i, I appreciate the uh the growth that comes out of that stress you know yeah was around, i think it must have been around 2013 or something like i was you know doing a lot of reading and research and you know looking looking at my life and how i lived and things like that and at one point i thought i want to learn to live to be happy and comfortable with as little as possible so 
you know, owning the least amount of things and needing the most amount of things. And um, I found these like little hacks, like where you're pushing pushing your uh, bodies to uh, your body and your mind to extreme. Like it's that's what's you know actually bringing that like over you know that long comfort. And uh, it's it's definitely I think since I had that idea and the person I was then to who I am now, I've definitely like come way further than I ever actually knew was like possible with this sort of stuff. That's awesome. I think I'm going to steal that soundbite about being <laughs> as happy as possible with this little. <laughs> that's so that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, thank you for fucking taking the time to sit down with us. Um, where where can uh, listeners like find you like on on the interwebs and the social medias and stuff if if they so desire or if you yeah. want to be plugged right. in your own self and right yeah it. this isn't like you know it's, sorry it's not like yeah. plug but but you know people yeah. are gonna be like we want to hear about Ian or we want to see more from Ian. you we want right? to sponsor Ian yes <laughs> where can people send you money uh, probably the best best thing is uh, Instagram which is a uh, bucket list nomad. Um, yeah, that's probably the best best place to grab me or my Facebook's Ian Hard. Yeah. Yeah, man. And thank you again for uh you know, reaching out and being being willing to do this because like like I've said in the past, like it it is challenging to reach out to people that you don't know that you know, I guess, through the community, you know, and you're just like I wanna talk to this person. I think they're interesting, but er. Uh, so, yeah. so if you're listening right now, you know, listen to Farrell, you know, listen to Ian and, you know, thank you Farrell for, <laughs> you know, like, uh, sort of being the catalyst for this and, uh, I really appreciate it, man. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Like I had a few friends, like, you know, every once in a while, somebody's like, oh, you should start podcasts. And, right? you know, I saw this, uh, opportunity turn up and, you know, I've appreciated listening to other episodes and things. So, yeah, thanks, thanks for having yeah, me on. It's been yeah, enjoyable. and this goes to you and any other jumper out there. Like, I, I I'll tell you everything I've learned. You know, from this little uh, experiment. You know, from the equipment to all the other stuff. If if you're interested in that, like, I will sh- happily share that information. Just tell everybody so. how you become an ultra marathoner. Right. <laughs> That's the only thing we yeah. have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah or just keep the good vibes going and, you know, it's like, uh, you know, pay it, pay it forward. It's, yeah. it's definitely one thing that I've really appreciated with social media is, like, I've reached out to a lot of people, but I don't know about very specific things. And uh, I've come, up become, like, come across a lot of people that have really helped me out in things that I'm doing that I've never actually met and you know i think that's you know if people are passionate about what they do and what they're sharing then you know there's you know it's great to reach out and you know have people actually respond with you know good information and you know they're not trying to sell you a product they're just you know trying to share a passion and sure yeah you know i feel like you know this podcast is you know this podcast another podcast is one way of um doing that yeah and we're just trying to like uh kind of promote base in a positive manner you know and like maybe keep somebody off that bfl you know like through the things that we screwed up you know but yeah that's you know that's definitely like if we can keep one people off that list we've like succeeded and um you know if in this podcast one person listens to it and they get like one nugget of information that like really you know helps them on their path like then you know i think that's like success in itself you know yeah yeah, for sure. And if there's things that we need to expound upon, or if there are things that you think we're, you know, idiots about, <laughs> let us let us know. We can address those things. That that generates more topics of discussion, you know. And and if we can create more more uh, discussion, maybe we can create more, you know, um, you know, ideas and things that maybe will keep things safer. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's because uh, it is weird. You know, I was talking to a guy at the Horner earlier today and he was like, yeah, I was just waiting for somebody to go splat. And I was like, well, that's, we weren't, you know, yeah. like, uh, <laughs> that's so, the last thing we want to wait. No, for. Yeah, but but, yeah. but if we can help change other people's sort of frame of reference, you know, for this kind of stuff, then, you know, maybe we can keep it yeah. alive or keep it, make it better. I don't know. I, Something. I do like definitely think that the you know the sharing information it's keeping people mm-hmm. alive and we have different forms of communication now and, yeah you know different Facebook groups and you know I feel like rarely does 
anything good from come from withholding information you know it's one of those things where like the more you share and the more maybe if you're a businessman different thing but but in our in our environment the more you share the more likely you are to either expose something that needs to be addressed or to help other people see things that works or you know yeah. what they could they could benefit from especially when it's in a life and death uh, matter yeah I, i've definitely found like you know if people have reached out to me to you know for information about anything i do or um you know the way i live or anything like people i don't know i've usually always tried to answer their questions and respond because to me it's like paying it forward to people that have responded to me and then also like maybe one day i need some information and that so they can connect me to someone yeah. and you know it it's, it's definitely you know it definitely works for me right and it, you know that goes from anything from like Oh, yeah, I gave this guy a couch one time, you know, when he was passing through. And then, like, next thing you know, like, you're in a bind. And who, who ends up, like, you know, helping you out? You know, it's it's always that sort of karma stuff, you know? Like, yeah, well, you, you know, I took some good photos at Kuala Lumpur, and then, you know, I made some And here you are. Right. I made it. Yeah. You're on a mediocre podcast with a couple of no, – yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm always yeah. going to make fun of myself. I can't help it, but – Anyways, Ian, thank you again yeah. for uh, hosting us and being willing to come on the show. And uh, I look forward to, to, you know, hanging out with you in the future and uh, seeing you at the exit points. Yeah, thanks, yeah. Uh, thanks for having me and thanks for the, uh, yeah. the jumps. And today open and invite, you know, yeah. if you ever, even if it's a dial-in, you know, if something's up, let's uh, let's do it. Yeah, you know? and uh, yeah, when you're recording for other people, you know, feel free to come here if, it, if it's going to help out. Deal. Yeah. All right. This was a Base Life podcast. We're out. All right. If you want to know more about our guests, just check out the show notes. And if you want to give us some feedback or reach out to us, you can hit us at baselife2014 at gmail.com, facebook.com backslash the base life. And on Instagram, we're at base.life. All right. Thanks.